1: Welcome to the Western Walker Show, joined by our special guest today, dubbed the world's largest athlete, standing at 7 foot over 380 pounds, 22, 5 e shoe size he has. I didn't know that was a that's real a thing. <laughs> that's a lie. That's <laughs> a damn lie. Yes,
2: that's what I read. <laughs> that's, yeah, I know. Uh, that's a lie. I don't have five kids either. That's a lie. Uh, <laughs> Wikipedia is All right, the intro wrong. already
1: a little messy, but it's okay. <laughs> White made his professional <laughs> debut. Mr. Paul White, that is, to you guys out there, made his debut in WCW at Halloween Havoc in 1995. Seven-time world champion. Also won the WWE Intercontinental Championship. The United States Championship, the Hardcore Championship, any championship you can think of. He's done it as well. Tag Team Champion, multiple times, Pro Wrestling Rookie of the Year and Wrestler of the Year at 96, TV star and movie star, Paul White joins us, (laughs) a.k.a. The Big Show. Let's get it. Give it up for him in the studio with Wes and Walker. Paul, how you doing man? I'm you just, like
2: that? I'm blown away by that intro. You like that man? I'm just sitting there thinking like yeah, yeah, that twenty two five E is wrong. That was <laughs> that was Jim Ross Trying to promote me being a giant. I'm like, that's dude, I'm I'm a, I'm a like a 17. That sounds like a bra size more than it sounds like a shoe yeah, size. Yeah, it's just like it's like uh, I don't want feet that damn big. you Imagine how clumsy I'd be with feet that big. Like, <laughs> you I, know I'm what? Good.
1: When we did the foot picture that we will post, when we did our shoes together, our Jordans together, I was like, man, I was like a 22. I was like, I can't be that
2: close. No, what are you but like this? a 14? Yeah, I'm 14. Yeah, yeah, that's normal. Like, like Shaq's got like a 20, right? I yeah, don't know I what Shaxx is. I think no, Shaxx, like,
1: used to say, was a 22.
2: Well, I, I, I've had my foot next to Shaxx, and it's yeah. com- like, I, I want to row over to to another country in Shaxx view. I'm like, my God, man. <laughs> How are you that good an athlete with feet that big? I Isn't know. it crazy that we have a dude named,
0: you know, Paul White, known formally as the Big Show, and then you're going with him next to Shaq, and even he is saying, yeah, I, would, I could hop in there. Uh, he I could hop giant, in like a He had a those
2: boat. giant ugly Reeboks, you know? Oh, you think they're <clears throat> ugly? Oh, God, Which yeah. Which ones are you talking about? The, the, talking the black, black and white ones that look like He's some, talking about the Shaq I, I Yeah, it, it, it's... I mean, I'm always going to be a, a Jordan fan of stylish shoes. Like, got I the mean, Jordan 4s on today. I do. I like to the style of them. I think, you know, but when the shoe's that big and your foot's that big and there's that much going on, it's like those ugly uh, Space Jam LeBrons a few years ago. Do you remember those? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's just it's just too much going on. Like, You're you... a sneakerhead. Well, yeah. There's a long story behind why I'm a sneakerhead. I love it. When I was a kid, grew up in South Carolina, not far from here, times are tough, um, you know, And I remember one winter I had uh, blue shoes and green shoes and the holes were blowed out on the opposite shoe in each one. And I went to school with one blue shoe and one green shoe because it was wintertime and it was cold. And I remember I didn't want to tell the kids I was poor, so I told them I was colorblind. Mm. So then for years, all the kids would run up and be like, what color is this? And I would just go, I, I don't know. And they yeah, you're colorblind. But I was fine with that. Right. Over them knowing that, you know, dad had gotten laid off. Times were tough. You know, that kind of a thing. What part of South
1: Carolina?
2: Uh, I grew up in Aiken, South Carolina, outside of Aiken County. Wow. Uh, a little town called New Holland, South Carolina, which is off of Route 39, which is about six miles from Wagner. So it's uh real small. The Sally Chitlin strut was a real big thing there. <laughs> so yeah, it was a little country. Well and, and so this actually brings me into one of
0: the questions I had because I heard an interview that you had with George Sedano, I guess, about a month ago mm-hmm. out in LA. You were talking about playing basketball at Wichita State. Right. That journey that brought you there, you've had a good relationship with the coach, and coach then Cohen, after yeah. a year you you transferred. But You also talked about how you could have gone to Clemson. You know, you were were visiting Clemson, South Carolina. I was, yeah. How differently, because just to tell the story, right, after Wichita State, that's when you start to get into the wrestling world. But if you would have gone to Clemson or South Carolina or played basketball here in the Carolinas, is there any telling where your life ends up?
2: No, you know, that's the thing that I try to explain to younger people, too, that get frustrated that things don't go as they plan. Like, I always thought I was going to, play basketball, go to school, uh, uh, and become a basketball player. And life will throw you curveballs, and it's, it's, it's opportunity, and a lot of it's luck, and it's also being aware of an opportunity in front of you. Um, when I was at Wichita State, Coach Cohen got fired halfway through the season. I didn't care for the new coach that came in. I um, was kind of lost a little bit in a lot of ways. I'd lost my dad, my grandfather, basically my coach all in about the same year. Which is really tough on a young man sometimes. And I had to find my own way, in, and I was lucky to get a second chance with wrestling, something that I didn't really think I would be any good at. I just knew that I was young, I was athletic, and I wanted to do something fun because I had been in a funk for a while of not knowing what to do with my life. Do I? I, I was even entertaining the thoughts of um, maybe going back and playing college somewhere for a year, maybe trying to get onto a European team, play European ball or something just you're young and there wasn't, I know this sounds archaic. It wasn't the internet. It wasn't places to get all this information. You know, you kind of had to, to make decisions with what you knew at the time. And I just got lucky. I got really lucky and, and met some right people and took a chance. I mean, I took a chance on going to Chicago and, and working at a karaoke place, answering phones and met Danny Bonaducci, who introduced me to Hulk Hogan. And, and, you know, my whole life has changed because of that. Um, and, uh, yeah, there was a lot of disappointment and frustrations and, and, you know, how can it get any lower? Um, you know, I remember being really broke after I quit college and the bar I was bouncing at was closed to renovations. I was selling cars in Wichita, a place called Rusty Eck Ford, and it made money, uh, the first couple of months there, it was in the summertime, but in December I owed the lunch truck, $12. Mm. Like I owed the food truck 12, like I didn't get a check. They were like, yeah, you owe us $12. And I remember not having any food in the fridge and stuff like that, you know, so it was like it was a really low point and, uh, you just make the best. And I know it sounds cheesy and cliche, but the only thing you can do is just get up and try to make, make yourself move, you know, getting out of the house, making yourself move, finding something, creating something. And, and I just took a chance on, I got a job loading equipment. It was uh, 50 bucks a day cash. I was loading karaoke equipment, semi-trailers with a forklift. And then I met this guy who's a fast talker, and he wanted me to, oh, I know people that are bears. I'll get you. I was like, oh, I don't don't know. We'll see. And that was one of the things about maybe I'll try out for a practice squad for the bears. And then we were talking. Like having not much football experience at all. I mean, I played in high school, and I was a pretty good football player uh, in high school, but I was just, there wasn't anything like me back then. I was seven foot, 390 pounds, and, you know, 26-inch vertical, and could run a 40 and five flat so i mean like that was ridiculous back then nowadays That'd we've be- got athletes all the time that are running under five. they so <laughs> they're running you know the athletes have just gotten better um but for me there wasn't a plan or a direction so when we were talking I, he says well what do you like i said man i'm a fan of pro wrestling i grew up in the south i'm a fan of rick flair the four horsemen i can remember Duncan and wooing and strutting in high school because that's that's what i did and uh He says, you want to do the wrestling? I said, yeah, man. I said, I don't know if I'll be any good at it, but it seems like something fun, you know, because I was starting to get there. Well, I need to find a job. I need to find a way to make a living because it's being broken. Hungry stuff sucks, you know, and then, then I got into meeting the right people and worked out and then I was exactly what that time needed for uh, a new wrestler, the size and athleticism.
1: So at what age did your size get to a point where you knew you just weren't regular like every
2: Oh dude, well kindergarten I was I think I was four foot ten in kindergarten. Yeah. You know, which doesn't sound like a tall, but in kindergarten, my kindergarten teacher was five one. I was looking her in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was it was I'm picturing normal. how
0: that's going in my head, like trying to teach somebody the ABCs and if you're
2: looking you look him it, in the eye. Like I yeah. played for uh Aiken Sporting Goods Little League team in Aiken, South Carolina. And uh, they sponsored our Little League baseball team. And at 11, I'm six foot one or two, 12 years old. Like, I'm taller than the coaches playing Little League baseball. It's like all these coaches and then these little kids. Then there's this monster off to the side, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I dealt with And I think, on all sincerity, that was a great prep for mainstream popularity and being a wrestler. Because I went through all the awkward stuff that some people do when they first get famous of the attention and people striking up conversations and saying really messed up things to you, even though they don't know you. Oh my God, how much do you weigh? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. How about say hello first? You know what I mean? So I learned that patience, I think younger six, eight at 14. So, um, all that stuff leads into being prepared to do what I do now. Like when I look back now it's easy. To, oh yeah. You were meant to do this. And it's great because I found something that I'm passionate about and something I am good at. I got lucky. And I think that's the thing. That, that's tough for a lot of young people now is finding that thing that you're passionate about as well as good at.
1: So Paul White is joining us. You can yes. follow him on Instagram at Paul White. He's here because AEW Collision will be here on Saturday night. Bryce and I are going to be in the building wilding out like we like to do at wrestling. What are some of the storylines for the fans as they come to this event? What should they be looking for? What's going oh, you on want me in the give AEW all the, the recipe to
2: the soup? Just, yeah, let of me know. Let me know what the fans the biggest storylines uh, as I, they come I, I into Collision. I will drop this out there. Mm-hmm. AEW, of course, Collision is one of our bigger programs. going to have a lot of top talent there, a lot of younger AEW talent that do their best to put on one hell of a show. We're going to have FTR, Dax, North Carolina native. He's there. Um, FTR versus Malachi Black, Buddy Matthews, um, a good friend of mine that you guys know very well, Adam Copeland, who lives real close, will be there. I, I've heard rumors in the locker room that Adam's coming by to do something. And um, also the North Carolina legend himself is going to be there.
1: Woo! So <laughs> so let the people know out there, though, because everybody's like, okay, well, well, what's the difference? How would you describe AEW as opposed to WWE when you come into a show?
2: Uh, authenticity it's just different um, I think that's the thing for so many years WWE was such a juggernaut in the wrestling business uh, a sports entertainment as they refer to it um, and it's a well oiled machine the way they process the talent the way they present the talent the way it's shot they have a system that's you know, over 40 plus years um, of presenting talent in a certain way um, which if you're a wrestling fan and you're Came in like I did in the in the mid 90s and early 90s. There's an art form to professional wrestling, and there's an authenticity that has to come from the talent. And I think that's the one thing that I love about AEW is that authentic uh, authenticity that's presented to the crowd and the audience. I mean, yeah, we don't have your we don't have talent that looks like they walked out of. I mean, we have some that are, are amazing, but we don't have talent that looks like they walked out of a magazine. We have regular people that that our audience connect with, and and, and guys that have dug and scraped and fought and worked independence and, and, and really are there because they love it. And they give a hundred percent every night, not because they want to be a star, but because they want to wrestle. And I think that's the authenticity that resonates a little bit more with me. It's a little bit truer to the core of pro wrestling. Paul White
0: with AEW Wrestling here on the Body Works Plus guest hotline right now. Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. I want to go back talking about you growing up where you realized your size was very different. I also want to reference another story you told with George Sedano. <laughs> a rent-a-cop tackles you at a skating rink. Oh, my goodness. You're bringing out
2: all the dark I stuff, am, huh? <laughs> I am.
0: Thinking you're an 18-year-old. All right. When you are actually at 12, just because you kissed a 14 year old yes, at 12. I did.
2: My first kiss, I got tackled and arrested.
0: Yeah. Okay. Wow.
2: Yeah. You said you were traumatized there.
0: Pretty clearly understandable that that might yeah, be the case. I understand.
2: I might've been over six foot tall. I might've looked like, but I'm still a kid. You yeah. Know, I mean, all of us guys and gals, remember your first kiss when you were younger, especially things were different in those times and- all the movies that you watched, the first kiss was the big thing and all that. I mean, kids nowadays are so far beyond what they have on the internet. Like, it's it's crazy. But back then, your first kiss was a big deal. Like, it was, uh, and, and I just remember that whole situation made it very difficult for me to uh, to process a lot of that. Like, I, I knew I was a freak. I knew I was different. And it was hard for me to uh, to interact with, with other kids kids at that time you know when you're younger like that anything different is bullied whether it's bigger whether it's smaller whether it's fatter or skinnier that's that's the pecking order uh the the way it was back then you know there was a lot of that i didn't really come into my own as a person until i started being an athlete and then the size and the athleticism then it was like oh yeah well he's a freak but he's our freak you know then it became different yeah i was gonna ask too
0: that being a a moment within itself 100 percent it, was that the biggest, oh, life is going to be different for me because of my size moment, or are there a few that come
2: to um, mind? There's a lot of them that come in like that. Um, I think emotionally and personally for, the, for 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 something like that that's very important for a young person, yeah, that was a huge hit. But just the, the overall of, I had a playing football in high school, um, I kicked off. Because uh, I played soccer, good athlete, did the kickoffs, ran down in high school. They formed the little wedge, you know. Well, I was three thirteen, seven seven foot oh. as a senior in high school. Like hey. I said, I'd run to five flat and pass. That's wedge I, that, That's comedy. <laughs> that, there, there's, that's comedy. It is comedy, but I went through that wall like a freight train going through a bunch of water bottles, and one of the kids got smashed really bad. Um, and his mom ran on the field with a plastic cup full of beer and she threw the beer cup into my face and goes, you mongoloid, like that. And I remember looking at my friend Dre Watermaker and I go, hey, uh, what's a mongoloid? And he goes, it's not good, man, it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, I, I didn't understand like, well, we're playing football and I'm playing hard and then, oh, but it's a different, there are different rules for me you know here's another one from
0: me paul so i will right, we'll, we'll move past the tough side yeah, yeah i mean, don't know, you know right now yeah, I'm, I need sorry. I'm sorry i'm sorry to get
2: therapy now thanks <laughs> i can not help myself wfnz <laughs> sports therapy yeah lie down on the
0: couch and talk to us here yeah. on wes and walker uh you're the third wrestler we've interviewed we can okay. we consider our truth a friend of the show yeah i feel love like that's R- fair a
2: couple times a week that's i love god him. oh god yeah. we, we freaking love I
0: him, love him. Yeah. all right Since then, we've really only interviewed wrestlers that are about 350 pounds or more. Okay. Mark Henry. Got to talk with him. That's my
2: brother from... You got two of my favorite human beings. Yeah, Mark Henry's
0: my brother from another mother. I'm I'm glad you said that. Feel free to share stories on any of them, but I know you and Mark Henry battled as heavyweights before becoming a tag team. Yeah. I got to know what those battles with sexual chocolate was like. I mean... The world's strongest dude against one of the world's biggest dudes and then doing tag team stuff with him. What in the hell was that like in the ring?
2: It's different with Mark because Mark is literally probably one of the strongest wrestlers to ever wear a pair of wrestling boots. Um, Just naturally, sometimes scary because you go like, I'm strong. I'm a powerful dude and I'm a big dude. And then there's sometimes I've done stuff with Mark, that little twinge in the back of your brain, you just go, oh damn, this dude ain't built right either. You know, like he put me through an ounce table one time and didn't like the angle and then just double clutched me to replace me while he's holding me. But just like pick me up like you'd adjust a bag of groceries to put in the back of the truck or something. I'm like, dang, this dude is strong. I remember coming to the locker room. I told this story before, but came to the locker room one day and Mark's sitting. He's, he's got his hands on his knees, his elbows on his knees, and he's bent over and there's sweat pouring off his. I think he's crying. He looks emotional. So I put my bag down. I sit next to him. I put my arm around him because he's one of my dearest friends in the world. I love him. I said, Hey, man, you okay? And he looks up at me and goes, Yeah, man, I'm all right. Why? I said, Well, you look like you're crying. He goes, Yeah, man, I'm trying to tear this quarter and I can only bend it. Dang. <laughs> and I just got up. And I said, Look, man, <laughs> you touch me, I'm going to hit you with my car. <laughs> just letting you know. Like, and he's got a quarter. A U.S. quarter, and he has bent it with his fingertips because he's trying to tear the metal in the quarter for a strongman thing he was doing. I don't know how to operate with that. One of my fingers is too fat. Like you know, like I have enough trouble opening like you know those little things you have to put your finger in the top to pull it out. The little, you know, like the like the cream, like the heavy cream or something yeah, like I know, that. Yeah, oh no. yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, like you got it's got that little plastic loop, and you got to put your finger in it. Oh yeah. No, that just doesn't. I'll, I'll be there for <laughs> for ten minutes, just you know. It's, <laughs> You know, it's terrible.
1: Now, Paul, I was going to ask you, too, talking about tag team partners, and I would imagine it would be hard for you to pick a favorite. You've worked with Undertaker Kane, Lex Luger, Scott Hall. It goes on and on. I mean, I guess I, I could try to get you to answer that so you can tell me if you had a favorite tag team partner. I've got great memories online, with a lot of them. some of the
2: memories. Um, You know, a lot of these guys, some are in AEW. Uh, some are, are, are obviously from, from WWE. But, um, you know, Mark Henry and I always had a lot of fun. Um, competing against each other and tagging together, or just riding down the road together in a car. Like Mark and can- car was holding both of you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we had a video on my Instagram. We were in a Dodge Challenger together one time, and we kept saying two fat men in a small car. <laughs> we were singing. That thing had to be scraping metal, man. Uh, uh, it, it was tough. Uh, I think one time there's a clip of us somewhere. we stole at the docks in New York. We stole the little electric uh, New York Police Department cart. And we jumped in that, riding up and down the dark uh, the dock, and if one of us would have passed gas, it would have blown the windows out of it, right. I guarantee. I feel like Mark could probably rip that like the quarter he was trying to well, rip. Well, <laughs> Mark Mark makes statements, because he's real country, he's from Silsby, Texas, but Mark is, you know, he's a strong man, that's his thing. He does things like the, the big, thick, 200-and-something pound dumbbell, one-handed, he picks, most people can't pick it up off the floor, and Mark carries it around like it's a water jug, you know, oh. like he's on a different level, but... We were talking about being strong, and I was like, yeah, I said, I know that I could grab a car door at the top, and I know I could pry the top of a car door off. If I needed to get somebody out of a car, I could pry the car door off if I wanted to, the top of it, bend the top over, and snap the window the whole nine yards. And Mark goes, yeah, like sometimes I feel like if I get my hands, I could pull the skin off somebody. <laughs> and I went. I went, hold on. Yeah, you can. Why are you thinking that? Like all right man, we need thirty seconds, just you need to let that person go hide back in the dark spot. <laughs> I can't. I
0: that, can't deal with that. I can't. Yeah. No, I mean that's the the only the only thing you can do to that person is get the car you were talking. And the thing yeah. about it,
1: they're talking about this stuff casually. Like that no. stuff regular human beings don't talk about. So <laughs> I gotta ask you then, yeah. what's especially for a guy your size, what was the craziest bump that you ever took? Um, and I have to clarify for the people out there, they Bump, don't is, know when they know. Yeah, bump yeah, is when we, you fall down. Yeah, yeah. Last yeah. time yeah. we did this with Mark Henry, We talked about, about it. About it about was bump. the nineties. There yeah. were a lot of yeah. those bumps going around, but I don't know anything <laughs> don't about that. Don't get in trouble today, please,
2: yeah, don't do do. Yeah, yeah, let's not do that. Uh, yeah, a lot of people hated that stuff. They loved the way it smelled. I get it. Crazy bump wise, I think my very first bump off the roof of Cobo Hall was pretty crazy. Because now I wouldn't do it. As a seasoned veteran now, I'd have been like, absolutely not. No, I'm not doing that. But the bump was monster truck fight with Hulk Hogan on the roof of Cobo Hall. We're going to struggle fight. Then you're going to fall off the roof. And I was falling into an airbag. And it was a pretty good pretty good drop. Probably, I don't know, was like 25, 30 feet in this giant Hollywood airbag. Ellis Edwards, who had been the stunt coordinator, had set everything up and famous ellis edward lines when you're doing a stunt with him you'll probably be okay you know like <laughs> right now i there's no way i that's but up then i was like wow well, this is my first thing okay i got to do it you know and i just went over and took the bump but now i'd be like absolutely not man that is- but other than that other stuff no i was um uh, i was pretty much everything that i've ever done most of it's been my my idea on doing a lot of stuff um Like there's a famous one where Kurt Angle uh, shot me with a dart gun to shave my head. And I was actually in that production meeting. And I first pitched it out and everybody started laughing. And I was like, no, no, no. I saw this thing on National Geographic where they had to shoot this water buffalo to transfer it to another park. And I'm like, it'd be great because you're going to shave my head and I'm a giant. So what are you going to knock me out with that I'm going to lay there long? I said, it'd be great. Just have Kurt, you know, and they made sure because there was you know of course gun awareness and stuff like that. so they painted the gun red white and blues to make sure it was a a dark gun and it was a li- we could push the envelope back then a little bit and he shot me with a real dart there was nothing in it but i wanted the visual of the dart sticking in my back because i thought oh that'd be great and then i could do the rule the cell and fall down and then i'm helpless you know it's how do you tell that story that's i was all wrapped up in the mechanics of it Finally talked uh, Vince into doing it because at first, because Vince was kind of crazy back then and then he was kind of like, like he thought I was just trying to be tough and then when I started explaining it to him more, he really got into it and then if I wanted to get out of it, we weren't getting out of it but I was into it except for the part that my friend Kurt Angle has OCD and instead of pumping the gun once, he pumped it like six times. So when he shot me in the back with that thing from five feet away because we wanted to make sure there was no missing. There's no accidents. I had this giant three and a half foot wide back from this far away. You should be able to, hit. when he hit me that you'll see me look over my shoulder at Kurt. Cause in my mind, I'm like, ow, <laughs> like, like it was intense. I've never been shot before and I'm sure being really shot hurts much worse, but that's all I need to know of ever getting shot. What's worse being compared to a mongoloid or a water buffalo? What was worse? Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I don't take any of that. I don't take any of that to heart, bro. Uh, I learned, I had to learn a long time ago to develop thick skin and understand that people aren't necessarily being rude. They're just trying to communicate what they feel and what they see. Yeah. I don't think of myself as a mongoloid. I don't think of myself as a water boy and it's not up to a uh, uh, water buffalo. It's not up to me to, uh, to tell them how to feel. You know what I mean? Like, okay, that's how you feel good for you and have a nice day, you know? So uh, I never took any of that uh, to heart. You know, even when, you know, uh, Rock used to call me a 500 pound bag of monkey crap. You know, <laughs> I don't think I'm a five. I think I'm an actually a kind person that reads a book occasionally, but you know, anyway. You're lucky Paul White thinks of it that way. Yeah. Just like for other people here. Like that's well, incredible here, understanding. Here's, here's I here's mean, here's the thing. Like you can take a lot of, it. I, I, I'm not getting philosophical on you, but I will. You can take all these things and, and that come at you, and it's a line from Roadhouse. Believe it or not, the wisdom comes from Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse when he's talking to the bouncers. And he says, well, what if uh, somebody calls my mama a bad name? And he goes, well, is she? And it comes down to the point. Mm-hmm. Somebody can call you something, and then you're like, well, oh, am I? Well, no, that's not me. Then it doesn't matter. Because, you know, you give people the power to affect you about how you feel about you. and I just not give anybody that power. Man.
1: All right. Well, we're going to take a break right here. We're going to come back, finish up with you, Paul. We're loving it. People on the text line are loving it. So, more Paul White on the other side. This is Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. (laughs) Welcome back, folks. This is the Wesson Walker Show on a Thursday, and it's a big show, as we said before. We got Paul White in the building. You guys have been enjoying it out there. So before we get him out of here, we're going to let him know some of the things that you guys have been saying on the Charlotte Men's Clinic text line 704-570-9610. Joe Gibbs Jr. says, what professional teams does
2: Paul root for? Uh, professional teams that I root for. Okay. Okay. Well, in football, I've got two teams that I like, uh, two teams that I'm pretty, uh, I have friends with that I'm pretty loyal to. One's the Miami Dolphins because um, their orthopedic staff takes care of me and, mm. and, and Dr. Yagnik and Uribe and Dr. Swartz and all those guys, they're, uh, they, I used to live in the Miami area and I got to know some of the Miami football players back in the day and just their involvement in the community was so impressive. And I think that's where I developed my fanship is from actually meeting meeting different people involved in the organizations. And then the Jaguars, uh, obviously, because Tony Khan owns the Jaguars. But then also Mike Perkins, who works in the office of the Jaguars, is a good buddy of mine. Great dude, comes from a legendary football family. And then meeting the Jaguar players. Um, I met Trevor just right away, especially when you're older, you kind of know when... Someone's got it. You're just like wow. All you gotta do is stay on track, young man. You're gonna have a hell of a life. Like met Trevor and just from instant one liked him. He's young, but he's a leader, and he's a stud. And I, I just uh, as far as the way he plays football, his competitiveness, his his toughness. He he doesn't come across to me as uh, the newer professional athlete businessman. He comes across very tough to me, and he's in it for the game and his team and winning, and and that was super impressive to me. So may not be a popular answer in North Carolina, but I'm always rooting for those two teams.
1: Well, Stanford P. wanted to know on the text line if you were a Gamecock or a Tiger.
2: It's funny. I got recruited by both, but I grew up close to Columbia, and I got to be honest, when I, when I was a poor kid growing up, so all the rich kids when I was growing up were Clemson fans. So I was a South Carolina fan. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it goes sometimes. The, that, the heat goes way back, and then we all hated Georgia, so it didn't matter. We all got together. We wanted Clemson to beat Georgia, and we wanted South Carolina to beat Georgia. So
0: It's Paul White, formerly The Big Show, joining us here on Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 A E W in town this weekend. Paul, because we're talking about some basketball, I did want to ask, what's the best basketball player you ever faced
2: in your lifetime and how'd you fare um (laughs) 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 um, best basketball player I ever faced in a legit game um heck I can't remember I think the best basketball player that was on my team was a guy by the name of John Smith who was from South Carolina who came out same year I did at Wichita State he was like 6'9", 295, 285 Ran a 12-something, two-mile stopped and tied his shoe. Had a 40-plus vertical. Mm. Uh, I think he was a top 25 All-American. Um, and at Wichita State, I wanted him to learn to play the four better so I could play the five. And John and I, uh, he was just a tremendous athlete. That was my first experience at, I mean, John was so strong and so far ahead of his time then. I mean, he was benching over... 370 pounds as a freshman in college. Like, I mean, his nickname was Stud for a reason, and it was the first time we used to have the long shorts back in my day. I remember he had number like like 32, I think, on his shorts, and I remember in practice, he took off just outside of the the baseline where you line up for free throws, caught a rebound two foot and jumped, and I saw his number go by on his shorts and he dunked, and I was like, Good God, <laughs> like. Like, you know, I used to have to cheat and stand on his foot and hold his shorts and everything in practice just to to fight. But uh, um, and we used to play pickup games with uh, in the summertime. I know X-Man would come back to Wichita in the summertime. Xavier McDaniel. Yeah, Xavier McDaniel. And he was just tremendous. It's funny. Xavier McDaniel actually predicted my future. I was talking to him one time in the weight room and he asked me what I was going to be doing. And my nickname back then was Big Draws. Because my shorts are real big. It's a true story now, and uh, always when old people lie, they say it's a true story. But no, this one's true. He says, uh, "says What are you going to do?" I said, "Well, I said Coach Cohen's gone." I said, "I don't know." I said, "Maybe I'll, I'll just try out for every protein until I get picked up." I said, "I'm going to play in the NBA." He goes, "Man, you'll be the only seven foot guy cut by the Japanese team." He says, "Let me tell you what you need to do." He says, you need to go into pro wrestling and say you're Andre the Giant's son and say you're here to avenge your dad's debts. So I'm telling you, man, he said, you ain't a basketball player. He said, you're a wrestler. You know, and I remember thinking, no, man, come on. You, ain't gotta, you know, you know how basketball players pick on each other. I was like, wow, he really thinks I'm that sorry of a basketball player? <laughs> and then now I'm like, wow, he's pretty brilliant.
0: <laughs> it's a nice call. You said that was a true story. Now, when we were bringing in, Wes was bringing the big intro. He said 22E shoe, whatever. That's a lie. Lie. Yeah. Big lie. 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 N- now I want to know, it got me thinking, okay, what's the biggest lie ever told about you that actually caught some steam? That it you caught actually Caught
2: some steam? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think you nailed it on the head. That's a pretty big one. The 225E is the one that catches all the time. And then also, and it was part of the promotion, but that I was Andre's son. That was always a tough one because there's still fans. We got to, a question on that on the text we, line. We we have fans that come up to me all the time. Like you know, they'll say to me, I "says I loved your dad so much. You know, he really brought a lot of, a lot of joy to my family. I might like, thank but in my mind, I'm like, my dad was a mechanic. I hope he did a great job fixing your car. But I know <laughs> who they're talking about, and it's really hard sometimes because, back then, when I came in, in order to give you instant validity, you had to be related to someone. You had to come from a family. You had to have some kind of a patronage, so to speak. And, uh, that was the thing that they wanted to do. And, and it took me a long time earlier in my career to, to carve out my own sense of self.
1: All right, Paul, the last thing I'll ask you before we get you out of here, the fans want to know, can you suit up for Carolina on Sunday against the Jacksonville Jaguars, preferably, I guess we'd want to make guard. You want to make left tackle. What well, would you, you want you him to You tell us.
0: Yeah, against Tampa, last game of the weekend, <laughs> uh, last game of the season. <laughs> what, what position yeah, could you help the Carolina Panthers? Help I help the, the Carolinas.
2: Board. I will be honest and humble, and say, um, Carolina Panthers have tremendous athletes and do not need <laughs> my help. Okay. Um, as a younger man, I think uh, probably I would have been a good tackle.
1: Yeah, I think he would have been, too. Well, Paul, yeah. we appreciate it, Thank man. you. Paul White in the building. You can follow him on Instagram, at Paul White. Come out to AEW Collision in Charlotte, 7 o'clock start time at Bojangles Coliseum. I will be in the building. So Rick Flair's going to be there, too, up, now. Rick Flair's going to be there, as well. There'll be yeah. many people there more yeah. famous than I, but this has been an excellent, excellent interview, man.
2: Thank and, you, and we appreciate. appreciate you taking I feel out the like time I need for like for a us. hug and like some chai tea after that. this interview. Like, we got yeah. you. We'll take we care of you, right. you, man.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.